What's up, everyone? How you doing today? We got a great subject that we're going to be talking about. And you know what? It was funny. After I posted that video yesterday, uh, our response to uh, dude over there on the other channel, as well as that freaking uh, undercover cop giving it advice, I seen one question from a longtime subscriber of Insane Throttle, Ray. Ray's my man. I really love his uh, responses to a lot of the videos that we have. So I wanted to address that question before we got into the meat of today's uh, video, which the article was titled S.A., Bikers, are they the real sons of anarchy? And it's quite a, uh, a bit of, you'll see what the mainstream media puts out. It was just released today, that article, so we'll go over it. But Ray's question was, at first, everybody was getting along. What happened? Well, here's what happened, Ray. You had uh, that dude, uh, Backroad, over there. He started talking a lot of crap. And the hit, he was a hypocrite. He could not keep his story straight. As you know, we invited him while he was here in Chicago to a debate to debate his positions. We had it set up where it was going to be me. It was there's going to be a member of a motorcycle club there and him. Well, he decided he was too busy, and then he went off on this tangent that, uh, well, they didn't want to debate me, dude. For once in your life, be real, okay? I get it, you know, YouTube and all that stuff's here to make money, all that jive, okay? So that's really what happened because a lot of the creators, we really get along great. We talk with each other on the phone. Uh, you know, people ask me who I like watching. Well, you know, BD, uh, Demon's Row. I really like Demon's Row. I like Saddle Tramp. He's got a great, great one. Uh, and then I watch Adam. Then a few of actually who subscribed to us that are just getting going, I watch their stuff. But creators all get along, Ray. It is just this fucking idiot that uh, we don't get along with. Let's just put it that way. That's because he talks trash. He thinks he's some kind of philosopher. It's just ridiculous with him. So the advice him and this other guy gives out is our belief that we'll get somebody hurt. Because even if you've seen Black Dragon's video uh, about this guy... He was out there saying, I want to see clubs pop out all over the place, three-piece patches, it's time to take over again. And, you know, just, uh, what was it, a year before, he was told to take off his uh, jacket by the red and gold, and uh, he sat there crying and whining about it and didn't do nothing about it. So if he was so hardcore uh, with his position, he would have took... <laughs> not took off his vest, but he would have got out there and said, no, I'm not doing it. But that's hypocritical, man. But when you try to give advice about people on the street, yeah, right, dude. Uh-uh. Ain't happening because you're going to get somebody hurt. Now, his whole thing was, oh, he don't believe in the Constitution, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you watched the video, what I actually said was that Constitution don't protect you on the streets. And I guess oh, uh undercover cop over there got upset, which... Yeah, whatever. I don't really care about that one. But the point being is, if you're going to get into something, what are you going to do? Pull out uh, your constitution? Really? No. You know, by time you're dialing 911, they're cleaning up the blood trail. So, you know, this is what happens when people do not understand the streets whatsoever. They'll push this ideology. It's funny. It really is. The This idea. Oh, it gets to me with these people. Ideology that they want to push is just ridiculous. And, you know, I've always said you can always tell when somebody is from the street and when they're not. Just by the way they're talking, you can tell the whole story of a person. Now, Usually, I keep down, keep down to myself, blah, blah, blah. We do our things. I really don't like giving them type of people uh, any type of uh, recognition or advertising for them because all they are is trolls. They're looking to get people over their to their channels. 
And like I always said, YouTube has always been our corner where we get to actually interact. And I'm, you know, I know that you guys can uh, look through our comment sections. We try to answer everyone that we can. Where over at Facebook, we're approaching 50,000 followers over there. It is really hard to keep up with that kind of stuff over on Facebook. And God forbid, you know, I try to answer as much as I can over at HarleyLiberty.com. But the views that uh, that site gets, I just can't keep up with it. So that's why we're here over on YouTube. You know, we try to keep it where we're not really advertising so hardcore. Yeah, we'll advertise some of the videos because you got to do outside stuff with uh, YouTube because a lot of times they will, especially if they report the channel, like ours gets reported all the time, so they'll keep your video low and, you know, they hardly recommend anything. So that's why we did the members only site. The members only site, uh, yeah, we charge two bucks a month, but it's two bucks, but you get videos, you get podcasts, you get editorials that you would normally get out in the public. So that's a benefit for them over there. So, but you know, again, Ray, with your question, how do you even, how do you even listen to somebody is uh, a lot of us creators thinking to who's never done it never done it failed two clubs he claims well they weren't for him well that's an excuse that we always hear you can tell right away uh then the guy's only been riding four years now if he says well i've been a biker all my no you haven't dude i've seen your past stuff i've seen the past, dude, you're more of a rub than anything. The ones you always are trying to pick on, the rubs, just go back a couple years with your pictures, dude. You look like the biggest rub i ever seen. <laughs> and for you to claim, because everybody asks, well, why you bash on them? Well, when you're from Chicago and you have somebody claiming that they're from there, it really gets under your skin. Because, no, they haven't lived there. I don't care if you were taking pictures where you claim to be taking pictures, okay? I actually uh, heard a story about you trying to take a picture and you got your, you know, you got your ass handed to you because they didn't want your picture taken. So, I don't care if you work down there or not. That's not from being from Chicago, okay? You didn't grow up there. You didn't live there, and you sure to hell didn't go to high school there. So, you're from 40 miles away from Chicago in the burbs, and the south burbs at that. So, stop claiming something you're not. And then when somebody finds out that you were other than honorable, and you had the nerve to take a congratulations from that undercover cop, yeah, that just took the cake right there. But... Anyway, that hopefully uh, answers your question, Ray. And uh, let's get into the real meat of the subject. And that is going to be our last statement on uh, all that uh, jive going on. So let's get into this one. It is a real, real funny article. Okay, here we have it. Channel 24 News by James Francis. And he asks... Are S.A. bikers the real sons of anarchy? There you see, Jax. And you know what? The funny thing about Jax was, and it always came up in my mind, what he did during that series, and that isn't a biker. That ain't even an outlaw biker, dude. He was a serial killer. But, you know, they put it under the guise of uh, being, you know, an outlaw biker. Now, this is out of Cape Town. And it just shows you what the rest of the world's thinking. But I really enjoyed the article. And it goes on to say, outlaw bikers are figures of legend. They are the cowboys of modern age. Free spirits who do what they please and live by the virtues of freedom, camaraderie, and survival. 
They are the hard-heeled roughnecks who could flip it to the man and ride off in the sunset. Well, you know what? I got to agree with that one right there, man. That was a good opening. I like that. Our culture loves outlaw bikers, which they do because you wouldn't be seeing a lot of this stuff popping up like you do in today's society as far as bikers. You know, everybody who, uh, you know, just got on a bike, they think they're outlaw bikers or they're at outlaws you know who, who who am i referencing there but anyway you know they just flock to the culture they think just because that they ride a harley davidson or they ride a motorcycle that they can go out there and act like something they're not but uh growling harley's leather jackets and club patches are as instantly biker as bad to the bone or motorhead thrashing around through the ace of spades from easy rider to hunter s thompson to the simpsons outlaw bikers have been cemented in popular culture it's true it's true most recently we got a bit closer to this image of outlaw Bikers with Sons of Anarchy, the award-winning series about the Sons of Anarchy MC. I don't know if it was award-winning. I know uh, because old dude, uh, he crapped on a lot of people, man, Sutter. I don't think it received many awards. Uh, fictional Outlaw uh, Biker MC, it was followed up by the uh, spinoffs of Mayan MC, which uh, I don't even know. There's no word on the third final season of that. Also about an outlaw biker club, both are highly rated shows that give interesting glimpse in the secretive world of outlaw bikers. My question is, uh, to anybody that's in Cape Town, are you guys just getting this over there? Because Sons of Anarchy's been off the air forever, and yeah, the Mayans are now showing, but it's the finale coming up, you know, soon. So are you guys just getting this uh, over there being shown? Let me know. Uh, but is the true stranger than fiction? How realistic are the biker gangs these series portray? Let's take a look. Outlaw biker gangs don't mess with the one percenters. First and clear line should be drawn between outlaw biker gangs and other types of MCs. Many non-outlaw clubs have the icons of the outlaw gangs, such as large club patches on their back and fondness for roaring around in packs. That's because bikers started rocking leather. Patches, beards, bandanas, work boots, and beer before outlaw gangs appeared. They may look similar, but their ethos are very different. Oh, okay. Now we're looking at it, South Africa. This is what's going to interest me here. In South Africa, it is important to emphasize the difference between an MC and an outlaw MC. Said Ron Darby, president of AMAWC, Motorcycle Association of the Western Cape, an MC is not interested in participating in organized legal, illegal activities. It's a group of motorcyclists with similar interests and love for being a biking who understand and respect what patch biking is all about. Loyalty, honor, and respect at its core, but outside the club, their families will come first. Love, honor, and respect. We used to hear that all the time. We still do, but a lot of people don't know what it means. Outlaws, he continued, take LRHR to another level and will do anything to protect their way of life, their brothers, and their identity. That just don't go to outlaws, man. That goes to most bikers. You know, it does. There's another important distinction here. Many in the outlaw clubs are law-abiding professionals with pensions, bonds, and families, but loyalty to the club and responding to it demands comes before anything else. And I think that is a great uh, way of putting it right there. You know, just because you got guys that go out there and do illegal things doesn't make that the whole club doing it. I've always said that type of stuff. But that's a good uh, paragraph right there. This is in line with much of the outlaw biker mythos. The club are also called one percenters. The story behind the term shows how ingrained the rebel culture of the outlaws mcs uh, have been since the early 40s and they're not just talking about the one club outlaws they're talking about them all and then they go into the california stuff that you guys all know about uh they took their cue from the ama all that good stuff omgs the real bad outlaws sons of anarchy deals with a specific part of the biker world mcs that qualify as criminal outfits or omgs 
This is an official designation used by the FBI identifying them as dangerous gains with serious criminal intent. Now, I have a question about the FBI. You know, that report, and not to get to political, man, but I think this has to do with the country as a whole, is our, you know, Clapper, Brennan, uh, the CIA ones, and national security, then you got Comey, then McCabe, and Strzok. Are they going to be charged under RICO? Because I know if uh, Club did that, I think they'd be charged under RICO. Let me know what you guys think. Uh a uh, handful of OMGs have also been added to the list of international crime organizations, placing them alongside the likes of Mexican drug cartels and the mafia. No, they, you know what? They might place them on that list, but clubs are nowhere near what them organizations are about. OMGs managed to avoid this designation for quite a while, only being listed as gangs in the 90s. Motorcycle gangs being listed alongside criminal gangs led to widespread surprise biker gangs surely were perhaps a bit rough around the edges but they also do toy runs and chased away drug dealers right well you know before i go into that i want to keep on going uh with this but uh, you know when you have a club move into your neighborhood nine times out of ten your neighborhood becomes a lot safer a lot safer. There's some uh, really bad neighborhoods in Chicago, and this just goes to show you how right I am about that. They, The clubs put them in the worst areas there are, and next thing you know, those areas start getting cleaned up because the clubs just won't allow that crap to happen. Uh, regular outlaws, legends with PR machines, but these are extreme example of outlaw bikers. Most outlaw gangs shouldn't be messed with, but they aren't about to go to war with a Colombian drug cartel. Much of the outlaw bikers legend is something that they have carefully honed. You do have freaking point there. You know what? Uh, the Colombian drug cartels, the Mexican uh, cartels, they're fighting against the freaking Mexican government, man. We're talking they're fighting against armies up there. So, no, don't even put clubs in that freaking uh, type of deal. Uh, reputations don't come from thin air, but a lot of it does get exaggerated by the media and clubs themselves, too. You know what? Just, you know, looking at this article, they're given a down-the-middle type of approach. And this is something I cannot believe that's uh, actually happening. Uh, I love Edward James almost. I uh, love his work. But anyway, you rarely see this kind of stuff being talked about in both sides of the story. They're given the club side. They're given the cop side, and somewhere down the middle, they're trying to make a point. You know, they're trying to debate against what the cops are saying compared to what the clubs are actually doing. So I got to give them kudos right there. Got to give them kudos. This is the first time since I've been doing this stuff that I've actually seen a news story do both sides of the story. When it comes to clubs, that is something very rare, so hats off to you guys in Cape Town. Maybe you guys should come down here to America and give our so-called press a lesson on presenting both sides. Because God forbid that that ever happens, and God only knows that these new or news organizations... They go to extreme propaganda, man. And you know what it is over here in the United States? It's all about making money. They don't care about the truth. They don't care about getting the people out there to, you know, what's really going on both sides of the story. No, it's all about money. And when it comes to the biker stuff, oh, man, it's all about what the clubs are doing wrong. A couple members doing this, doing that. It's never about giving them the opportunity to put their side of the story out. Now, a lot of people wonder why that uh, clubs don't talk to media. Well, they skew it so they can sell more papers. Well, not papers anymore. It's mostly internet-based. But they do it just for that reason. So... Yeah, I go around and say, hey, man, you want to get your PR people out there. But at the same time, I can understand a little bit about why they don't want to do it. Because you're, they're going to do anything to sell papers. That's just like YouTube creators. They're going to go out there and say the most outlandish crap just so they can get views so they make that $2 a video that they're making. 
So that's just my, uh, you know, thoughts on this subject. Let me know what you guys think. If you're looking for up-to-date biker news, then Insane Throttle is the place to be. Daily editorials and news that is dedicated to the biker scene. Come on over and join the number one internet biker news site at HarleyLiberty.com. Hi, this is John with Exit 27, and you're listening to Hollywood on Motorcycle Madhouse. Want to hear more of our music? Head on over to Spotify or iTunes. The number one internet biker radio show is now available on Spotify and all major platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and more. Don't forget to become a subscriber on any one of these platforms so you can be notified right away when our weekly episode is uploaded so you never miss an episode. Let's go. 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 If you don't know, Indian just released its newest model, the 2020, with the beefed up engine, the whole nine yards. And we're also going to go into the quarterly third report with Harley-Davidson Indian and see where they are going right now. But when you see these motorcycles, the Indian and the Harley, the Road Glide, these things look identical. I couldn't believe it when I seen the reviews coming out of it. And let's take a, a look at some of these reviews, shall we? You can see, man, this is coming out of the Milwaukee Business Journal. And I know uh, Harley-Davidson is uh, real big up there. So the Business Journal has a uh, scathing type of uh, review, if you will. Uh, Indian unveils the new Challenger and some see a Harley-Davidson Road Glide. You think? This thing looks identical to the Road Glide, man. I couldn't believe it when I seen it. I was like, you know what? Indian's coming out with some good stuff. They got a good engineering program. And next thing you know, they have this beautiful motor, but it make it look like a Road Glide. And what's even worse is they're selling this thing for $27,000. Now, we all complain about Harley-Davidson and their pricing. What are you thinking, Polaris? You know, I never understood why anybody would spend upwards to thirty grand on a motorcycle. On a motorcycle, people, $30,000. Not even at $20,000, come on. It's easier to go to the used uh, bike market and get a good bike. I couldn't believe it almost. Well, you know, with taxes and all that stuff, you're looking at 30 grand. Anyway, David goes on to say, Indian Motorcycle has revealed its newest model for 2020, the Indian Challenger, and it's likely to look very familiar to many Harley-Davidson riders. What do you guys think about that anyway, man? Uh, the reproduction, you know, I understand that it's an American style and stuff, but one thing that uh, Indian I thought was going to set them apart was doing their own thing. Not looking identical to Harley. Uh, the in Indian Challenger comes in three variants, the Challenger, the Dark Horse, and the Limited, 21, 27, and 2799, respectively. The Indian, the vintage motorcycle brand that Medina, Minnesota-based parent company Polaris has positioned as an alternative to the heavyweights from Harley-Davidson. Teased the motorcycle last week when it released details of the new Power Plus engine that is at the heart of the Challenger. Again, we're looking at this, and, you know, from the untrained eye, it's Harley. You know, take off the logo, stuff like that. It's got the V-twin, blah, blah, blah. But come on, really? Uh, the big difference between the power plants, though, is it's uh, liquid-cooled. It's 108 cubes. Uh, it's the newest model is perhaps the brand's deepest excursion yet in the Harley-Davidson's market, and there's one big reason to look at it that way. You know, not only are they getting into the market, they're getting up that butt, man. They, they're taking all the ideals. Why don't you guys just get the blueprints from Harley-Davidson themselves? You know, Indian, everybody's talking about switching over to them, which is great, but I don't see, you know, the incentive for switching over to them if it's going to be looking like the same bike and about the same prices even before uh tuesday's official rollout more than one motorcycle or motorsports industry rider compared 
some earlier leaked images of the Challenger to Harley-Davidson's Road Glide, a big touring bike that represented a sizable portion of the sales mix for Milwaukee-based Harley-Davidson in 2013 when the iconic motorcycle manufacturer put Road Glide on the hiatus that lasted all of one year. Now, there you go. There's a picture of the Road Glide, and then you compare it to that one, do you know the difference? Come on, really? <laughs> they even got the same damn colors! <laughs> when teasing the new Challenger model last week, Indian described it as a fixed fairing bagger, a term that Opley describes the road glide with the Challenger. Indian is clearly targeting one of Harley Davidson's basic, basic uh, market uh, spaces. Upon uh, re Introducing an updated Road Glide for the 2015, Harley's chief financial officer, John Allen, said in January that Road Glide accounted for 9% of the company's sales volume. Well, you know, if it's, you know, accounting for 9%, maybe Indian's doing something, man. You know, maybe they're trying to cut into that 9%. Uh, you know, it could hurt Harley Davidson, as it said. So, can the Challenger slice into that market? And and uh, they go into the scoop. The, the Power Plus V Twins pushing 128 foot-pounds of torque packed in the ca cast aluminum frame with inverted front suspension and an adjustable rear shock. Brembo brake system and large 18-gallon capacity uh, saddlebags. Additional features include uh, cruise control, LED, anti-lock brakes, and keyless ignition. Uh, the Dark Horse and the Limited include uh, Indian Smart Lean technology, which is uh, enhances braking, tracking, control, and handling. You know, here I got a 2001 Fat Boy, and you know, I can't get over radios being put on motorcycles, still carbureted, and these things pretty soon are going to drive themselves the way they're going. Anyway, how's it compare with the Road Glide? The 2020 Road Glide is powered by the 107 or 114, uh, 111 or 122 for, uh, foot uh, pounds of torque. Cruise control has basically the same type of stuff, uh, and it's in the same price range. That's where I don't I don't get what Indians doing. 21 uh, up to 28 uh, for the limited. Uh, the Indian Challenger's Power Plus engines are made at a Wisconsin plant. <laughs> Rock on! Uh, while the uh, assembly of the Challenger is in uh, Spirit Lake, Iowa. You know, let's uh, throw this on real quick and uh, let's see what we're looking at here. My God. Turn that off there so I had to talk. Uh, you know, again, it looks just like the road glide going on there. And, you know, it's the fixed fairing, the whole nine yards. Uh, the only advantage is it's got the liquid cool. Now, I know a lot of people out there don't like liquid cool stuff. But, uh, yeah, if you were driving down the road, take off all the uh, emblems and you're looking at the same stuff Harley did, man. It's unreal. I'm very disappointed that uh, Indian went this route. You know, I thought they'd have some uh, of their own design concepts. And, you know, and I think that's where the Dark Horse was pretty successful was, you know, they did their own thing. They made it looking rocking. And they had their own feel to it. But when you're just out there copying freaking other manufacturers' motorcycles, man, that what kind of loyalty are you going to get from there? The only difference is you're getting that new freaking uh, motor in there that's liquid-cooled. But that's it. Really. You know, but let's take a look over at uh, Harley-Davidson versus Indian sales for uh, quarter three, and this is going to tell you right where the companies are as far as financial, you know, if they're going up, they're going down, the whole nine yards, and it was released uh, by Harley-Davidson and Polaris. If you didn't know, Indian is made by Polaris uh, the last week, October 26th or 2nd, so they were just released. Now, Harley-Davidson's report, 
The downward trend continues for the motor company, but numbers in the Harley-Davidson Q3 report are actually better than what was expected, suggesting that Harley has slowed the bleed. Now, if you don't know what slow the bleed means, is Harley sales has just plummeted since 2016, and that's because not a lot of new riders are coming into uh, the scene. You know, they rather buy them little scooters and stuff, and actually Harley-Davidson's going after that market too, and they're going after the e-bike market, which I don't think they're going to have any luck at. Uh, sales are down 3.6% on domestics, that's the United States, but continue to grow internationally with a 2.7 increase for the third quarter of the motorcycle product mix. The touring segment, which is the one we just talked about, Harley's largest chunk of the pie is being hit the hardest with a decrease in unit sales of more than 10%. The Sportster Street uh, segment is down 6.5, while the Cruiser division, well, cruising right along still, the numbers outperform the expectations. And I'm kind of uh, surprised that uh, the Sportster and uh, Street segment is down 6.5% because you would think that is where they would actually be doing the building, if you know what I mean, because not a lot of people want the bigger bikes and especially the newer generation. Anyway, in the days prior to Harley-Davidson's Q3 report earnings release, HD experienced a bit of a headache with the halt in production of the heavily uh, touted Livewire. You know, I really believe it's going to take four or five years for that technology to catch up with it. Zero, zero is the king of electric motorcycles. And I don't think Harley-Davidson was really uh, prepared uh, to get into that industry. Uh, it said uh, the so shocking issue proved to be a little more than a speed bump for Harley-Davidson and didn't stop their stock from climbing back into the 40s. Personally, I wouldn't do a Harley-Davidson stock. There's no long-term outlook for this sector. You know, it's just going to keep on decreasing and decreasing and decreasing in sales. So if you're into the markets... Like I am, I wouldn't be doing it, man. It's just too much of a freaking uh, risk to go along with these kind of stocks. Uh, it says the bigger headache for motor, the motor company and probably the darkest news of uh, the Q3 report is 24% decrease in profits over the last period. That is a huge drop in profits. 24% is huge. Anyway... They're attributing to the spike in tariffs, which, come on, man, enough with blaming the tariffs. You've been blaming the tariffs ever since they went into effect. And, you know, don't we remember that you were going over to uh, to Asia to build those bikes for it to get around the, the tariffs? No, you can't keep on using tariffs as uh, an excuse. You really can't. Uh, the impact of recent EU and China tariffs Really? Well, you're basically just admitting you're buying parts from China because why else would, you know, it hurt your brand over there? Come on, you don't do that much over in China. They uh, have nearly doubled over the last year's third quarter, having risen to a year-to-date total of $76.9 million. You know, basically, you guys pass on that tariff stuff anyway to us. Uh, see, you, you got to be real, man. You know, why is the reason why your profit has fallen? Well, it just talked about your percentages uh, dropping off with your, your uh, Sportster street models, your big road bike market models. That's the trend, and any investor is going to see that. You know, maybe not somebody off the streets or anybody who, who don't have any basic knowledge of what's going on within the market, but it, it's right there. The numbers are right there. Now, let's go to Polaris. Now, they're the owner of Indian. Their Q3 report, they uh, also reported a de decrease in uh, retail solo and down sales is in the low double-digit percent, far outweighing the overall downward trend of the mid-heavyweight market. Gross profits also shrank substantially from Indian from 20 to two, uh, 12 million in this year. Uh, now they're citing the tariff stuff, but what is concerning is Indian has a way to grow. You know, they can only go up. Where Harley-Davidson, they already hit that peak. 
and they're heading downwards. So yeah, that's expected. But Indian being, you know, basically brand new again, you know, they have had some reincarnations and under Polaris, you thought they'd be hitting them damn sales. And it's at this point where you're thinking, why the hell did they get rid of the victory line? <laughs> Truly, you know, I know they want to, you know, put their attention towards Indian, but, you know, with sales like that, you should have kept Victory. Bring them back, man, because Victory was a great bike. I love the jackpot. Anyway, uh, it mitigated some of the discouraging Q3 news with a big uh, rebuild of an all-new water-cooled V-twin Power Plus engine on the same day of their quarterly report. Uh, then it talks about uh, it's going to be pumping out a class leading 122 horsepower will serve as the heart of the new Indian Challenger, an all-new fixed-bearing bagger that promises to be the highest-performing American V-Twin ever developed. Well, you know, that's all right and all that stuff, but like we uh, learned earlier, you don't copy, man. Holy cow, don't you? You know what? We used to get blamed for that, for copying in school. So what do you guys think, man? Uh, you know, could you believe that Indian would actually copy almost every detail of the road glide. Now, I'm one of those guys, see, when people ask, well, why you bump on Harley all the time? You had Harleys, you have a Harley, you have a fat boy. Well, that's great and all. I love the motorcycle. I lo love the designs. And, you know, I hate the company. Why? Because they treat their workers. You know, everybody knows I'm a big union guy. I support our unions 150%. If it wasn't for our unions, you wouldn't have your 40-hour work week. You wouldn't have a lot of these uh, holidays off without the unions. Your pay would still be back in the Stone Ages, okay? So when it comes to a company messing with union workers, of course, I'm not going to give my loyalty to them. And another reason why is because when the Matt came out, the CEO of Harley, and said, well, it really don't matter if it's made in the USA. Are you kidding me? We already know you got all your tinkers and your, all your components coming from overseas. We knew that. But a lot of us said, okay, it's going to an American company. It's coming back to the, you know, the mainland. So, hey, we can overlook that. But when you say it doesn't matter that it's made in the USA, you have done neglected most of your base now you just got rid of a marketing guru uh by the way who was a ceo of a nutritionalist company so what are you doing doing that you don't know nothing about motorcycles but anyway they got rid of him because you guys said it does not match our core customer beliefs well made in america is our core customer our customer beliefs okay let me tell you that and here you got the ceo coming out and saying well it don't matter so yeah a lot of people are upset with that and put on top the pricing you know now indian ain't that much better guys you know so it's you know, which way you're gonna you know look at but looking at the sales of the indians in q3 man that is that's kind of disappointing or actually 2019 because with indian coming out with the backing of players you think that sucker would skyrocket you know there's been all kinds of reincarnations of indian over the years and all of them failed and now players has taken nurse uh, hit with it I think one of their biggest mistakes was getting rid of victory because their sales would still you know instead of what was it 12 million whatever in sales in 2019 it could be over 50 to 100 million with victory so I don't know what they are thinking over at Polaris but it's starting to come out that it was a bad mistake getting rid of uh, victory motorcycle as far as Harley if their street and their sportster line is starting to suffer you guys got to get out there and do something man stop paying attention to little uh, mopeds and stuff you guys got to get your freaking uh, core business down before you start branching off in the areas you have no clue about e-bike market that is the fastest up-and-coming market there is e-bikes where you can go 18 to 30 miles at 20 miles an hour pedal assist all that type of stuff you got companies like trek mongoose and that stuff people that's been around that business and as far as electric motorcycles you got zero that's just killing you guys
You're not going to be able to get the technology on board. You know, with some of the attachments with zero, you're talking freaking 350 miles on a charge. You guys can't even get 100 out of it. And, you know, and the first problem you guys hit was the charging power plant on the live wire. So you guys need to get back to the basics, get back to your core customer uh, beliefs and stuff. And basically get it together, man, because them numbers are terrible. Terrible on both manufacturers and disappointed in Polaris. Yeah, they got a great new engine, but doing the copying and stuff, that ain't cool, man. You might as well do what the Japs been doing uh, with the V-Twin. They started, you know, back in uh, the early 2000s with the Shadow. They were doing American Classic models, man. They took the V-Twin type of deal, the whole nine yards. You know, come on, you expect better from an American company. But uh, what do you guys think, man, of Indian copying uh, the Road Glide so much? What do you think is going to help get Harley back on an upward trend as far as sales? And do you think Indian should really bring back, or not Indian, freaking uh, players should bring back the victory models? Because I think those were hot selling bikes. And I think, you know, they gave up a lot of money in sales and look what they're doing with indian it's just a backwards freaking type of move and if you're watching from indian or polaris get the models back out there man it's going to help boost your sales because you had a very very loyal following when it came to victory riders and i just think you blew that so that's just my opinion on this segment Ladies and gentlemen, here it is, the most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Hollywood Motorcycle Madhouse on Spotify and iTunes Radio. This is Breaking News. First up, we are going to talk about this story. Uh, it was by Ken Sereno out of the Asbury Park Press. The headline uh, reads, Pagan's Motorcycle Club member beats Hell's Angel associate with a bat. We are going to go ahead and play it right now for you. As you can see, uh, he came out swinging with the bat, and that looks like a supporter of the Hells Angels. And, you know, I talked about the, the support gear with people in the last video that I did, and it does carry consequences. But personally, man, four on one, this is the crap that actually gets cops after the motorcycle clubs. Not cool, but hey, you know, is what it is, but it just shows you with the support stuff and what it can get to you. But let's uh, read the article. What officials called the rise in violence of the Pagans Motorcycle Club was highlighted Wednesday at a New Jersey State Commission of Investigation in a video released by the Essex County Prosecutor's Office. It shows the vicious beating of a Hells Angels hangaround by a member of the Pagans Motorcycle Club who goes by the name Hellboy. Now, as far as uh, the hangaround status, I don't know about that. It just looks like he has a lot of support gear on. But anyway, let's continue. Uh, this was a video that was shown at this commission meeting. Uh, but it happened on, on April 24th to 2018 at a gas station on Elizabeth Avenue in Newark, a short distance away from the Hells Angels Motorcycle Club's chapter headquarters. In the video, Robert W. DeWandy, now 55 of Rodway, beats Jeffrey Shank with a red baseball bat. DeWandy is joined by three other men who were not identified at the hearing, one beat Shrank, or Shank with what appears to be an axe handle. Shank had just left the Hells Angels Clubhouse, authority said. Now, I know I get a lot of freaking feedback when, you know, I feature these type of articles. But I have to say, when it comes to motorcycle club rights, 
And when you see this kind of stuff, it's right there on film. You can't blame the newspaper for this. No, it was caught on video of these guys beating the Hells Angels associate. How can you come back to guys like me or other creators or other media people and say, you know, what you guys are doing is wrong? No, what happened here is wrong. I don't care what club is involved. Four guys on one. That's just like that incident down in Texas where there's 20 on one. And clubs don't want to be called gangs, but they're doing some gang crap, man. Caught right here on video. And you're wondering why this is being shown in front of a commission? It's just, you know what? It's just flabbergasting, if you ask me. It just is. Uh, we look at out for you. Uh, that's an advertisement. He wound up with a punctured lung and a broken bones, including a broken collarbone, officials said at the hearing. Durandi was sentenced to four years in state prison in July for the assault. No one else was charged. Uh, but again, let's go back to the video real quick here. Uh, that is the commission. Let's see if it comes up here. Eh, look like it's taking its time. Uh, but anyway, the two candidates for uh, Councilman Maurice B. Uh, Mill Jr., uh, a Republican, a Democrat, they spoke to the press about all this stuff going on. And I guess, you know, that's not going to reload. But anyway, that just shows, you know, how clubs are walking right into Leo's freaking clutches here, man. Because when citizens see this kind of stuff... Eh, what do you expect them to think? That's all I'm going to say. I'll straight, say it straight up. What do you expect people to think? Leave your comments in the comment section below, man. Uh, we're going to be talking about Harley Davidson in the next se uh, segment. You know, I'm not going to really keep on this story because actually the story speaks for itself and... The debate continues between Motorcycle Club and Motorcycle Gang, and if motorcycle profiling is wrong, it just keeps on continuing, man. But like I said, when you got it on film and stuff like that, come on, give me a break. Motorcycle Madhouse every Monday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and Saturdays 11 a.m. Central Standard Time on YouTube and all major streaming platforms. In your face, all over the place. We're online 24-7, 24-7. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. Oh, heads are starting to roll over at Harley-Davidson, man. This out of bizjournals.com. Harley-Davidson removed its president of global brand development, Neil Grimer. And there's a picture of him. Now, you know what? This is very interesting. And the reason being they had an investigation on this guy and stuff. But what I really think is going on is the uh, higher-ups in Harley-Davidson are starting to see through their sales that their ideals are not meshing with the people down on the street. So let's get uh, going on this. This is why, uh, by Margaret. Uh, she's a reporter out of the Milwaukee Business Journal. Harley Davidson confirmed Friday that Neil Grimmer, president of Harley's global brand development, is no longer with the company. Quote, his departure comes after an internal inquiry along with a third-party investigation into concerns that his judgment and conduct as a senior leader did not align with our culture and values we expect all employees to demonstrate, a Harley-Davidson spokesman said via an email. Now, as far as the culture, yeah, you guys got a problem right now because you got the blue collars out there extremely upset with you guys because it seems like Harley Davidson is like went the other way from what they originally were. You know, take the, uh, the CEO, Matt. Man, he came out and said bikers and his customers really don't care. 
uh, if it was made in the USA, that was just a model that they used back in the day. And that's farthest from the truth, man. You got people that buy Harley Davidson just because it's made in America. It's you that is separated from our culture, man. It's all them guys in the suits at Harley Davidson who don't know the lifestyle, don't know the culture. You're ruining the company right now. And you know what? God forbid it took y'all how long to get a new line of motorcycle going uh, after all these years of just upgrading here and there on a motor uh, Harley. Uh, but now you guys have just lost it. You're lost it. Your dealerships look like Disneyland now instead of the old shops that used to sell your bikes, you know, where people actually knew each other. And your prices, of course, everybody, you know, bitches about that. My advice, if you want a Harley, go on the used market. Don't go buy a new bike. Go on that used market. You're going to get all kinds of cool-ass deals. Uh, but let's get, keep on going here. A source familiar with the matter indicated that Harley-Davidson received complaints about Grimmer, which did not align with the company's code of business conduct. The departure reflected multiple actions by Grimmer, not a single event, according to a source familiar with the matter. Harley-Davidson president and CEO Matt Lebedich told employees about Grimmer's departure Friday morning in an internal memo acquired by the Milwaukee Business Journal. The memo indicated that Lebedich would be assuming Grimmer's responsibilities as president of global brand development in an intern yeah that's just what the company needs is this guy to go on to uh take on brand development yeah right no thank you man the ceo has run this company so far into the ground it is just pitiful you know i understand you guys gotta have a you know a worldwide strategy but you only have 50% of the big bike market share in the United States. The rest of the share of the motorcycles, anything from 1,200cc and below, goes to Honda, Kawasaki, uh, Suzuki, Yamaha, all them. You know what? Everybody always says, well, Harley is 50%. It's 50% of the big bike market, man. That's a huge difference. Not everybody's running around on baggers or, you know, glides or any of that kind of stuff, man. They're riding 1,200ccs or uh, below. You know, one of the most popular Honda motorcycles was is the Shadow, man, and it's 750ccs. You know, this guy assuming the global brand development uh, position too. You know what? I just see him going back to the AMF days because it always seems when a company is public, you know, trading on the stock market and stuff, they just lose their head. They don't understand their core customer base and they just destroy a company. It, it's ridiculous. Uh, let's see here. Harley Davidson announced the hiring of Grimmer into the newly created global brand development present position in April of this year. Grimmer had most recently worked as a CEO of Habit, a personalized nutrition life science company he had founded. Now, this is what really throws me off. You're going to hire a guy with no experience within the motorcycle manufacturer community you hire somebody from a nutritional life science? Are you crazy? And you wonder why things are being... F oh my God. Hire from within, man. Get some of the guys off the freaking floor in the factories. Some that you got left anyway here in the States because you're ordering half your parts from China and Japan now. And, you know, put some real deal freaking people back in power to get this company going. You'll wonder why it's going downhill. Nutrition life science company. Give me a break. Quote, based upon our in internal inquiry along with the findings of this third-party investigation, how much did that cost you guys? We determined that Mr. Grimmer leaving Harley-Davidson was the appropriate course of action. Harley-Davidson takes all matters related to workplace conduct and our valued behaviors very seriously. Your valued behaviors. Okay, 
Uh, hmm. No wonder, uh, the, the, yeah, no wonder the biker life is going all downhill. Now we got freaking whatever. All Harley-Davidson employees, regardless of level, are expected to follow our code of business conduct and valued behaviors. Well, I wonder if we can get uh, his side of the story. That would uh, be good. Uh, you know, hey, let's check uh, this out real quick. Another one came out here. Indian challenges Harley Davidson with a new Wisconsin-made engine, a new model. And this is October 23rd, so that's awesome. Uh, Indian uh, unveiled Tuesday its most powerful engine to date. It has begun the countdown to the introduction of an all-new motorcycle model to join its lineup of names like Scout, Chief, Springfield, Chieftain, and Roadmaster. Look at that engine, man. That's a beauty, right? there you know indian is just gonna wipe the floor off they're gonna wipe harley davidson out man you know the tide is turning where harley davidson was always the king no more i guarantee uh indian within the next few years especially with harley davidson how they treat uh their people and stuff yeah uh-uh Everybody's going the Indian. Polaris made the review of the new engine called the Power Plus, a 1,769cc or 108-inch liquid-cooled V-twin engine pushing 122 horses and 128 foot-pounds of torque. Liquid-cooled, man, that is bad right there. That is awesome, a liquid one. In a press release Tuesday, the engine to be manufactured in Wisconsin at a plant, uh, rock on in Florida, man, will drive the new Indian Challenger to be rolled out on October 29th. According to an email media press release Tuesday, Indian is a vintage motorcycle brand that is its parent, Medina, Minnesota-based Polaris. And you know what? I know Indians went under and over, under and over, but through Polaris, man, they got the strength to be competitive in this market. Again, I hear and know a lot of people going and getting Indians now. Uh, has positioned as a competitor to the big bikes from Milwaukee-based Harley-Davidson. Both two companies reported third-quarter results that showed despite domestic declines in sales for motorcycle brands, the Indian nabbed a little more market share from Harley's dominant position during the quarter. For its part, Harley-Davidson said Tuesday its U.S. market share in the over 600cc motorcycle industry was still untouchable at 49.8%. They're full of crap right there. Full of crap, 600cc and up. They only got the big bike market. Let's take a check at this uh, video real quick about uh, this. Uh, she looks motor man freaking liquid cool it's gonna wow amazing no wonder everybody's going to indian uh with the power plus engine and the indian challenger by extension indian will mark a deeper penetration in the harley davidson's heavyweight market arena see now that is true harley tried to freaking uh put out a wrong press statement the heavyweight market which is the biggest bikes run on engines with displacements of 114 to 117 compared with the Power Plus 108. To be sure, Indian offers uh, larger displacement engines, the Thunderstroke 111 and the new Thunderstroke 116. Both of these are air-cooled engines that typically run less efficiently than a liquid-cooled high-performance engine like the Power Plus. The new engine takes its name from Indian's old Power Plus motorcycle produced from 1916 to 1924. Uh, we challenge our engineers with the notion that anything less than best in class design and performance will simply not get it done. I love it, man. Indian is really hitting it. I love it. A new challenger to Harley-Davidson, while Indian is starting to cater to the, the core customer that Harley-Davidson is leaving behind, 
They're taking over, man. Beautiful freaking engine, man. I love the line of Indian uh, bikes. Yeah, they're the future right there. And, and they're cutting into them market shares of Harley-Davidson. And Harley-Davidson, you know what? I don't buy their stock. Yeah, I invest in the stocks and stuff, but I will not touch Harley-Davidson stock. It has gone down and down and down. I think the best year of their sales were 2016. It's now 2019 going into 2020. Yeah, it ain't going up anytime soon. So stay away from that stock. Look into the Indians. You know, the first couple of years of a, a new uh, motorcycle you want to stay away with. But man, have they nailed it. And I think it's because of the experience of the victory line you know a lot of people were upset that was let go but i think that knowledge and that engineering with that motorcycle has led to the indian and the way it is looking now so just my thoughts man right there okay i wanted to say a few words because it is kind of nagging at me about the first story we did where you seen the video of the guy getting beat because I guess he was a hang around or associate uh, whatever the media wants to call him because we don't know for sure what I do know for sure that it gets you know the biker news we reach worldwide and stuff like that and hey I really it, it bugs me that we're not able to put out all the good stuff because all the bad stuff is in the headlines but it does bug me that, you know, I'll have people come back and say, well, but you know, why'd you, <laughs> whatever, man, if you're that ignorant and can't see that video of what happened, you know what, there's no sense in that type of stuff, man. We're over here, you know, trying to fight for club rights and we support club rights big time, man, you know, but we don't support that kind of stuff. And it makes the job of not only us, you know, we do a, a fraction of, you know, not even a point zero 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 one percent of trying to help out the club rights movement. But there is other organizations out there that are putting a lot of money out there, by the way. Uh, they're doing a lot of lobbying with uh, the lawmakers and stuff. How do you think they feel when they go up to a congressman or a senator, either at the state level or the federal level and say, hey, man, you know, the, the, this profiling's getting out of hand. And then one of them people come back and say, here, watch the video. That's something I would never want to be put in the position of. Nowadays, there is cameras everywhere. So it, it, it's kind of weird how... You know, people don't realize that. Stuff like this is caught right on a video camera where anybody can see it, and now the citizens see it, and now those citizens are the ones who sit on jury and elect all these people that the motorcycle club rights organizations are trying to lobby to get them on our side. But when stuff like this happens, how the hell are you going to get anybody on the club rights side? You can't. You, you, there has to be some common sense, some common sense to know that this kind of stuff ain't going to help the cause whatsoever. This is why a lot of independents, and I'm going to start doing the poll again because I did the big one, where only 30% of independent bikers and riding club members or associations supported clubs i found that to be so freaking interesting because it used to be a hey, the clubs were the ones everybody looked to as far as what's going on in the lifestyle but now that has totally changed and you gotta see why you know I used to go out there bang on people all the times so I always used to take the club side even though I didn't try to you know tip the scale one side or other I always wanted to make sure I got the club side of the story out because we're a huge platform worldwide and I thought that was the right thing to do 
But then you got to sit back and think, you know, why are you even doing this? Just sit there, report the news, and, you know, what happens is what happens with the clubs. You know, it, it, it it's just unreal. We're all into riding motorcycles. We love the, you know, all the things that go with it, the brotherhood, the partying, the ladies. You know, this territorial stuff and the how can I say it, the failure to evolve with the times is what's going to destroy the clubs. You know, I recently did that one parody article where I said the government was coming after all the leadership of the one percenter clubs. And in that, that could be a scenario that can happen. And look what's happening. Now you got commissions out there putting this issue on Front Street. You had what goes on down in Texas all the time uh, on Front Street. You got people going down for RICO. You know, you got some on the West Coast going down for dealing meth and stuff. What's people, tell me, okay, what is people supposed to think when they see this stuff? It's an honest question. You know, I know a lot of people out there is going to say, well, clubs don't care about, well, you know what, if they don't care so much, then why are they trying to enlist everybody's help against this profiling? Again, it's just a simple question. If they don't care, then why, you know, enlist everybody else? They should be taking care of it on his own. What I think it is, is they know that they need outside help. They just won't say it, but they do because, you know, they don't have the numbers to, you know, unfortunately get something done, you know. Uh, I've seen some rallies down uh, for, against motorcycle profiling where what? Only uh, they can't even get 100 bikes there. How is that going to affect change? The first thing that has to be done is we got to affect change within our own culture. Our own culture. Until that change is affected, how the hell you expect to go outside that lifestyle and get anybody on your side? Just my thoughts, man, you know, because seeing that video is like, damn, man, we out here all the time trying to help clubs out, and that stuff's being seen. Uh, damn, man. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Motorcycle Madhouse. Don't forget to go over to Insane Throttle's new YouTube channel and also get your daily dose of biker news every morning at HarleyLiberty.com. If you haven't done so already, go like the new Motorcycle Madhouse Facebook page. And until next week, I'm James Hollywood Machikari. And remember, keep that throttle cracked wide open.